I'm Autumn Lockett. And this is Mitch Randall. And you're listening to Good Faith Weekly. Welcome to Good Faith Weekly. And on this episode, Am and I are going to talk a little bit about what's going on in the political arena as white nationalism seems to emerge again. Also, we're going to talk a little bit about Vice President Pence's comments at the RNC last week when he replaced Jesus with old glory. And then later on in the episode, we're going to interview a very good friend of the pod, Chris Sanders. Chris is talking about a new way of evangelism, evangelism by actually demonstrating your love for other people. So you will not want to miss that. Autumn, what's going on in your world this week? Well, I just need everyone to know that my autumnal rain is about to begin and the cooler weather is coming in. It is. Here in Norman, Oklahoma, we had a cold front come in over the last few days. The high today, or the high today, I think, is in the 80s. And I looked at the 10-day forecast. It's not going to be over 90 over the next 10 days. And at the end, get this, at the end of the 10-day cycle, we're going to have a wind chill of 38 degrees. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? Listen, if we have to be cloistered in our homes, we might as well be able to be like cuddled up with like a hot, cozy, you know, mug of tea. I'm just, I'm so excited for cooler weather. And, you know, I think even if I weren't a believer, I think seasons changing would make me believe that there was some kind of divine something out there because it's just beautiful the way that seasons change right when we need them to. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm hoping that uh, with this seasonal change that uh, it's going to put us on a more positive path to the future. Um, You know, everybody is still terrified about the pandemic and COVID-19 escalating as cold and flu season begins here in a month or so. But uh, there is a lot of uh, hopeful data. It seems as though people are wearing masks more and more, which is a good sign. Uh, numbers are coming down, even though there are hot spots across the country. School starting, obviously, is still a concern. Trying to, uh, to still convince people to wear their mask and social distance and wash their hands. Do those three things, and hopefully you're going to be okay. But uh, let's just be smart, people. But uh, good times ahead. Weather changes, falls ahead, my favorite time of the year. And I've got an update from my backyard. Many of you know that I turned 50 recently and I just went ahead and leaned into this old man concept and started getting bird feeders and hummingbird feeders. Well, I'm here to tell you the hummingbird feeders are paying off bigly. We now have at least four to five hummingbirds vying for two feeders in my backyard. They are dipping and diving and landing and (laughs) eating that uh, sugar water like none of your business. It is amazing to see. They're they're incredible little creatures, and I know it makes me geeky, makes me nerdy, but I don't care. I love them. It's a lot of fun. Hang on just a second. I was finishing up this last stitch on the elbow patch on your jacket. <laughs> well, hang on while I uh, pack my pipe of tobacco. <laughs> <laughs> so how do your hummingbirds handle five birds and two feeders? Like, are they Not well, not well. There, there's a lot of fighting going on, a lot of chirping yeah. going on. It was, <laughs> it was funny uh, when that cold front came in the other night. Um, I was a little bit worried because you had some strong winds moving in. 
And so I went out and, and took the hummingbird feeders down because they're glass. Uh, we've right. got some glass ones, and uh, they're, they're really, really beautiful. But I uh, took them down, and then when the uh, storms uh, passed through, went back out and put them out. And as I was putting them out, one of the hummingbirds like flew up within 10 feet of me, kind of hovered there, and just chirped at me. And I could just tell by his little chirps that he was just cursing me out. Where has the sugar water been? <laughs> My kids get like that too. Exactly. Yeah, I totally know. Uh, but at any rate, wow, it's been an interesting week. Uh, last week uh, was the RNC, um, you know, uh, and then this week uh, continues to unfold uh, violence in Wisconsin uh, with the killing of yet another African-American male. And then the violence that followed a 17-year-old from another state comes into town with a long rifle, uh, shoots and kills somebody. Uh, escalating violence in Portland. Uh, I just, I'm still concerned, Autumn, that this unmasking of white Christian nationalism uh, and white supremacy is is only going to continue to get worse. Yeah. Um, just, I'm just really scared about it. Yeah. You and uh, Mark Wingfield of Baptist News Global wrote a piece that I thought really just put a name on a lot of the issues that are percolating right under the surface right now. Yeah. Mark and I were on a phone call with some other executives uh, last week, and we were talking about just what's going on in the country and how our organizations are handling, uh, addressing these critical issues that we're facing. And I made an off the hand comment during that conversation, simply said, you know, I don't understand the problem that fundamentalism has with Jesus. It seems like every chance they get, they try to circumvent him and his teachings and his words. And I meant that a little bit as a joke, but also as a stark criticism of what fundamentalism has to do to thrive. We saw this back in 2000. Uh, for those of us who grew up in the Baptist tradition, more specifically a Southern Baptist convention back in 2000, the Southern Baptist rewrote the Baptist faith and message and uh, excluded the preamble of the Baptist faith and message that there was specific language in there that says the criterion in which we are to interpret and apply Scripture was Jesus Christ. Well, they stripped it out there. And there were those of us who were saying, whoa, why are you getting rid of Jesus? Why can't Jesus continue to be the criterion in which we interpret the Bible? He is our... Uh, you know, our Lord and Savior, to use that uh, evangelical terminology, he is the, the Messiah, the messenger of God, the one that we identify with in our faith and in our life. What's wrong with Jesus? And that's a continuation throughout the progression of fundamentalism is that at every turn, they continue to try to circumvent Jesus, ignore his words, uh, I contend fundamentalism, uh, evangelicalism at large, does not take Jesus seriously. Uh, they want to take uh, biblical passages out of context, apply them as they see fit. In fact, they begin with a political ideology, a political worldview, and then make Scripture fit that worldview. And this is something that is not new, by, uh, mind you. This is something that has happened throughout the centuries of people starting with a worldview, take white supremacy, 
uh, take capitalism, take any issue or, or any philosophy, whether it's economic or social, and take that philosophy and then use Scripture to support uh, that claim. And so we're continuing to see it today. And it was given a platform last week when the Vice President of the United States, in his acceptance speech, replaced Jesus with old glory when attempting to uh, paraphrase a passage of Scripture. It's just this, just in the article, Mark and I talk about what in the world is wrong with Jesus? We still think he's, we still think he is the ideal for us to follow. Why does fundamentalism continue to try to uh, to replace him with this uh, this heightened uh, patriotism and this uh, allegiance to a military type of mindset? It's just it's just mind boggling. Sorry, that was a rant. No, but it compl- it really is, and I just cannot help but think that if the roles were reversed and the left was trying to do this, the right would be freaking out that we were changing scripture context, that we were idolaters. I mean, there would be all kinds of insults flung if the shoe was on the other foot. Yeah. You know, and and I want to be clear when I say this, I mean, scripture has been used to, by presidents and by politicians uh, for a long time. Uh, And there's right ways to do it and, and wrong ways to do it. Um, and there's been some paraphrasing of, of text as well. I mean, President Lincoln is probably the most famous for it when he talked about a house divided against itself cannot stand. And he's quoting straight from Scripture, but he's obviously applying that uh, to uh, the Union uh, during the time of the Civil War. And, 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 and others uh, use Scripture in, in various ways. But when you begin to extract the very person in which you claim to identify with the most, and that is Jesus of Nazareth, when you pull him out of the equation, that's a huge, huge problem. Well, they pulled him out of the equation a long time ago with the way they treat others. Absolutely. And I, 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 don't, I do not hesitate to, to, to not say this because I think it is accurate. Fundamentalism, if they continue to withdraw and extract Jesus from their theology and only concentrate on parts of the Bible that support their political ideology, we have to call this what it is, and it is absolutely heresy. Hmm. It is a bastardization of the Christian tradition, and to withdraw the very person and teachings of the one they claim allegiance to is, I think, heretical and sinful. I think Jesus would be flipping some tables at the RNC after that. I agree. I agree. And I would say that not only about the RNC, but just any, any organization that claims to have an allegiance to Jesus and to be a follower of his teachings to just totally ignore what he said and what he did is just mind-blowing to me. And so mm-hmm. it's just, it really is, is very frustrating. But I do want to encourage everybody to go read the article that Mark Wingfield, who is the uh, editor at Baptist News Global, he and I joined 
together to write this column entitled Fundamentalist Have a Problem with Jesus. Uh, we'd love to hear your comments about it uh, and uh, get some feedback, but we really are really concerned about the direction. And there's a, and I do want to say this as well, and this, needs, this doesn't need to be on the editing floor. There are good and faithful people who are Jesus followers in the Republican Party. I know them. They're terrific, terrific people, and they take Jesus seriously. We're related to them. <laughs> we are related to some of them. That's exactly right. But what is going on at the upper echelons of this uh, overarching conservative movement with religious leaders and political leaders is terrifying. I have said it before. I will say it again. We need two strong political parties in this country. We need a strong Republican Party and a strong Democratic Party. People of faith can be associated with both of those parties. But when one of those parties begins to drift away from its core principles and to act in a way that is absolutely um, disingenuous with the identity of those traditional beliefs, then someone within the party and someone outside of the party has to call them on that. They do. do. And we're starting to hear some of that. Yeah. And I would say the same thing happened in the Democratic Party when there were tinges within the Democratic Party that became very uh, anti-religious and religion. And there were those people within the DNC that said, hey, whoa, tap the brake here. You know, faith is not a bad thing. Being a Christian is not illegal. And believe it or not, people of faith have some very important things to say. And so we began to hear the voices of social justice emerge within the Democratic Party. Uh, There are people within both parties, if left to their own accord, can try to eliminate faith altogether, whether that is a very zealous faith, like we're seeing on the right and this extraction of Jesus or a exclusion of faith on the left as we've seen in the past. We can't let that happen. There are people good there are people of good faith, Autumn, in both parties, and we need to make certain they have a voice. Stay tuned next. We're gonna visit with Chris Sanders, who is a lawyer in Louisville, Kentucky, also part of Empower West and has a new organization, The Way of Mission that highlights the importance of demonstrating your witness to other people rather than trying to convert them uh, with argument only. So it's a great, great interview, and so you want to uh, stay tuned to, to hear us talk to Chris. Welcome back to Good Faith Weekly, and on this episode, we have a very special guest joining us on the pod today, Chris Sanders. Chris is an attorney in Louisville, Kentucky, active in law, labor, faith, and politics. He represents working people, schools, nonprofits, churches, denominations, and social justice organizations in strategy, litigation, and advocacy. He is married to a social work professor. He is a husband, a father of three amazing grown children, a deacon, and a mediocre guitar player. He is also heavily involved in Empower West, a movement of diverse Baptist pastors in West Louisville, Kentucky, who are collaborating with one another to lift up and enrich people in their community. More recently, Chris founded The Way of Mission, a strategic organization advocating for a fresh approach to sharing your faith. Chris Sanders, welcome to the pod. Thanks. Nice to be here. 
Well, first of all, be, through this entire pandemic, uh, we've been asking our guests the same question. How are you and your family and your children, everybody healthy uh, in your home? Well, I'm happy and, so, and somewhat ashamed to say that we're fine compared to many people across America who are unemployed and getting evicted and trying to figure out how to you know, navigate healthcare problems. We're good. Good. And it's so, yeah, I'm, I'm blessed and favored. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on that note, before we get into your ministry work, um, I just had a few questions about the unemployment rates right mm. now. Are you hearing from clients who are suffering economically because Congress has yet to pass a second stimulus package? I get a call at least one every day from somebody uh, who is struggling with the unemployment compensation system. Uh, in my state, our governor is doing an amazing job with old technology and understaffing to try to take care of hundreds and hundreds of thousands of claims. Mm. Uh, and I've talked to people who here at the 1st of September still haven't gotten payments since the 1st of April. Mm -hmm. uh, their, their claims are stuck in the system and it's, it's a shame whenever those folks are waiting for their money that they're entitled to federal and state dollars. Mm -hmm. And there's no way, no way to advance them any faster. Mm -hmm. I literally just got off the phone with a, uh, with the unemployment and appeals branch five minutes ago, rescheduling a hearing. This is September 1st. That, that hearing is going to be re rescheduled for the, for the 1st of October. So Chris is just, is just the system inundated with cases now. And it's just, it's so bogged down uh, the logs are so long that it's just taking forever to process these. Yeah. In my state, we were processing about 60,000 claims a year uh, in, when unemployment was 4.5%. Mm -hmm. That number is approaching a million. Oh my uh, we, gosh. we have incredible unemployment here in Kentucky. Yeah. So that uh, the state fixed its computer system, updated its software, and hired thousands of people just to process claims. That's still not enough. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, Chris, do you see, I mean, if, if, if we gave you a crystal ball and you were to put your genie hat on, I mean, what's the future look like? I mean, how, how do we fix this problem that we're in right now? Because it seems as though Congress, the current administration, really has no interest in helping working people at all at this point. Mm -hmm. I, I think you're right. It's in, Here we are two months before a major election. So following the Sanders rule, there's plenty of politics without legislation, but you don't get any, legisl any legislation without politics. Mm -hmm. And we're, we're stuck in a partisan divide here. My senior senator, Mitch McConnell, uh, is stringing us along. Uh, there, are, there is a, a stimulus package which would benefit state and local governments to put, up, put dollars out uh, in uh, infrastructure, in education, et cetera that's sitting in the Senate and it's not going to move until, uh, that's to McConnell's advantage. Mm. Well, what do you think people of faith, uh, can do to, uh, let's say inspire, conjole, put them in a headlock to get something done in Washington, DC. Is there anything that we can do? Well, sometimes we talk about Congress as if it's just a pox on all houses. Mm -hmm. I think we gotta be aware of false equivalents. Yeah, there's dysfunction uh, on all sides of all aisles, but to be really aware that uh, uh, 
the party of McConnell, which is the party of no, mm -hmm. uh, is the culprit here, uh, mm -hmm. enabled by uh, the president of the White House, uh, who just eggs it on. Uh, so to be really clear with ourselves, that's where the problem lies. And then speak a word from the Lord, uh, given every opportunity. Yeah. Well, so basically you're saying just stay engaged, uh, stay informed, and uh, remember there is an election coming up in November, and get out to the polling places and vote. But speaking of engagement, not only are you engaged uh, legally uh, as well as politically there in Louisville and in Kentucky, um, you are really involved in an incredible organization that I got to be a part of for just a day last time I was in Louisville. That was the days, Chris, when we could get on airplanes and go places and see people and be in rooms together. Um, the group is called Empower West, and it's just a remarkable movement that you are a part of with other pastors there in Louisville. Can you tell us a little bit about it? No relation to Kanye West, by the way. For our <laughs> well, you don't know that. He hadn't explained it yet, Autumn. Oh, well, maybe it is. I'll leave that up to you. All the secrets out now. <laughs> uh, it, Louisville, like most cities and towns across America, is really, really segregated. Mm -hmm. uh, black and poor versus white and rich and not so rich. Uh, redlined. Uh, by government many, many years ago. So the West End of Louisville uh, is pretty poor and overwhelmingly African-American. Uh, a group of pastors gathered around uh, historically black Simmons College of Kentucky, pastored by and presidented by uh, Kevin W. Cosby uh, Jr. Uh, have a network a network, not an organization. Mm -hmm. We're a project of Simmons College of Kentucky to do advocacy uh, to lift up economic development in West Louisville, thus Empower West Louisville. Uh, I staff Empower West. I've been active since the beginning, five years ago. Uh, and our job is to be, is to meet really regularly across the racial divide we gather every monday either in person or virtually uh, to work on projects catch up on news and be nimble in the moment mm -hmm. so that we can speak a word from the lord as to the issues of the day locally and nationally well chris i'm imagining that especially since the the beginning of the year and the tragic and heinous death of Breonna Taylor, that this group has been instrumental in speaking a prophetic word, a priestly word to the people of Louisville. Can you just tell our listeners a little bit about how the situation with uh, the, the death of Breonna Taylor is unfolding, your involvement in and Power West's involvement in it? Uh, as we speak, uh, we're waiting for uh, local uh, government, the, the local police department, and our state attorney general to make some kind of criminal decision related to three police officers who shot Breonna Taylor to death. Mm -hmm. We've been waiting on that since uh, the news broke in March. That delay has kept people in the streets since May. Mm -hmm. uh, we we're, we have daily demonstrations here uh, led by Black Lives Matter. Uh, the national group until freedom and uh, 
uh, and a new level of tension uh, uh, and armed uh, armed counter protesters, both black and white, uh, who have been been to town pointing guns at each other and say they're coming back this weekend. And this weekend um, is Derby Day because of the pandemic. The Derby was delayed. I mean, I, I don't, obviously there's not going to be anybody at the track, uh, mm-hmm. but probably lots of activity in Louisville still on, on, on Derby weekend. Right. It's, it's a highlight of our year, even though it won't be like it is first Saturday in May. So Empower West uh, has been engaged in front of the scenes and behind the scenes. We're, mm-hmm. you know, by virtue of, of our, of our, the strength of our churches and the presence of our pastors we are well engaged with local government uh, and uh, with folks in the streets. We speak out uh, in print, in public. Uh, just last weekend, Simmons College, last Monday, Simmons College hosted the families of not only Breonna Taylor, but Ar- Armand Arbery and um, George Floyd and the various victims that we, whose names we are now whole household names. Mm-hmm. All those folks came to Simmons College to uh, gather and grieve mm-hmm. and be supported. Well, I'm so glad that there is a prophetic voice there in Louisville uh, that is speaking truth to power, that is standing up for racial justice, demanding that uh, justice be enacted in your city because mm-hmm. the death of Breonna Taylor was just an incredible, heinous act. And uh, there needs to be ramifications because of it. Yeah. So in addition to the work you've been doing with Empower West, you also have like basically written a new Roman road for all of us. (laughs) Wow. Congratulations, Chris. Uh, Otto just elevated you to uh, uh, writing Holy Writ. Nicely done. (laughs) And it's it's so much better, too. Am I allowed to say that? I don't know. We're not editing that out. I like that a lot. Well, thank you, I'm, and, I, and I'm I'm glad that you know what the Roman road is. Listen, <laughs> I was a tract carrying like my Bible had a handle on it. Okay, <laughs> I'm here. Did your grandmother had it had like the fringe around it? Of course it did. <laughs> yes. Yes, the higher the lace, the closer to God is how I feel about Bible covers. Of course. Okay, but we published an article from you recently at Good Faith Media on your the way of mission. Hmm. And I love how active it is. I love how approachable it is. Um, can you tell us a little bit about where that started in you and how you decided to write about it? Well, it is a, a counterpoint to the Roman road, how to have a full and meaningful life, uh, the four spiritual laws, the tract evangelism that I grew up with in the 70s, uh, It's which is based upon Romans-based Romans scripture, and, uh, you know, sort of Johannian theology. Now, I'm not really a scholar, but uh, I felt like that that wasn't what was meaningful to me anymore. Uh, if it ever was, if it ever was deep in my heart, it certainly isn't now. And knowing that that wasn't the kind of evangelism that made sense to me, I wasn't just going to say, no, I'm not that. You know, we, we started this conversation kind of giggling with each other about, you know, fringe Bibles right, and, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. and and tracks and stuff, because that stuff uh, is so far removed from where I am now. Mm-hmm. But what's going to replace it? So I started turning over in my head 
If that's not what I believe, then what is it? So I went to the Gospel of Luke, and I started looking for principles that I could tick off on my fingers. I came up with grace and mission, hope, and choice. Just a few words, a few phrases, iconic scriptures from the Gospel of Luke, and built the way of mission around that. You know what I love about this idea, Chris, and, and I think, I mean, you hit on something that is so important in our culture today, and that is um, one of the drawbacks in the rise of fundamentalism within the church has been this overemphasis upon the vocalization of faith or the verbalizing one's faith that's not attached to any kind of action or behavior. Uh, hence, we get deplorable situations like Jerry Falwell Jr. And there is this reconnection and of of the the verbal as well as the lived out, you know. And as James talks about, you know, faith without works is dead. That those two can never be detached. It is this profession of faith not only with voice, but with also hands and feet. And in many instances, the latter is the most important communication that we can make to the rest of the world. Because mm-hmm. if our actions do not meet our words, then we might as well be mute and not saying anything. Christians like me who reject the kind of dogmatic fundamentalism that seems to be based on God hates you and wants to send you to hell. Christians like me have lived in fear of being associated with Christians like that. And so we don't talk. Mm -hmm. We, we, we retreat into uh, phrases like we got from St. Francis of Assisi, Mm -hmm. pray at all times. uh, If, if need be use words. Mm -hmm. And so we're not vocal. But if we believe that following Jesus is good news, then we ought to have some handles on how it is we're going to talk about that. Right. If we've got, and so the way of mission is is to be is to provide a few words, a few phrases, some scripture references to say that being on on mission individually and together as followers is good news evangelism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love, you know, I love the, the four uh, components to this way of mission, grace, mission, hope, and choice. Uh, I think it's, it's a beautiful expression of how we can live out our faith and to be an example for others. Uh, and it's, it's not, you know, the one thing I always had a problem with, with the uh, old Roman road um, practice, was that somehow faith was transactional. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, that I was I was yeah. clicking check boxes. Uh, that mm-hmm. I was I was making this this deal with God. If I do this, then you do that, right. and and it was just very transactional. This mm-hmm. seems more organic, more natural, more relational because mm-hmm. it's it's something that's living. It's it's a An lived ongoing. out. Yes, very yeah. very well put. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm a lawyer by trade. I understand contracts. Mm-hmm. One thing, one thing I know is you don't make deals with God, right? Uh, you don't get your stick out your hand and say deal. Yeah, you know? sure. You did this, I did that. We're done. 
No, following Jesus, whether you follow closely and courageously, or you follow somewhat at a distance, skeptically and nervously, you're still following. Mm -hmm. And you follow all the time. Sometimes you're a better follower than others. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we fall down and follow and get left, get left back a little bit. We're still following. Yeah. And in the process, while Jesus is on mission, we find our we find our missions too. And I like to think of this in the plural. It's not about just me and Jesus. It's about us and Jesus together on mission together. Love that. Well, you can find out uh, much more about the Way of Mission at wayofmission.com. So make certain to uh, sign up uh, for any of their materials. Go check them out. They've got some videos and uh, downloads, and uh, Chris will be willing to probably uh, answer an email or even take a phone call to, to explain more about this incredible new idea and concept that he's coming up with. Do you happen to have T-W-O-M bracelets? Yes. <laughs> I love that. That could be a whole thing. Absolutely. You know, I, I'm, I, I had my share of Jesus junk back in the 70s. <laughs> Jesus junk. <laughs> but the, ones I, the one I really liked and the one I still believe in is the WWJD bracelets. Yeah. What would Jesus do? Yeah. It really is a great, great saying. Great. It's a great saying. Yeah. It, it's, it is that, it, and I didn't mind care, you know, wearing that on my, on my wrist, even after I no longer, even long after I rejected Roman road, mm-hmm. I still believe that the way of mission is about answering the question for yourself. What would Jesus do? Yeah. Uh, I'll have an app ready any minute now. It's uh, the good folks at faith lab are, are working on that. And so it'll be available for you to carry around with you on your phone. Perfect. Well, good. Well, I can't wait to find out more about uh, Way of Mission and uh, want to encourage our listeners to, to go check them out as well. Well, Chris, uh, we're winding down our interview and our time with you. We know that you're a busy guy. you got lots going on. But we ask one final question of every guest, and Autumn always asks the question. So, Autumn, take it away. Yeah, at Good Faith Media, our tagline is, there's more to tell. So in light of everything that we've talked about, everything going on in your city and in your state right now, what is your more to tell? It is that the way of mission always unfolds in people's lives, individual lives and our lives together. And so that you, you don't, you don't just, you don't get there. You just keep going. <laughs> and that's an adventure. Uh, it involves risk and challenge and reward. And I think that in this particular moment, when things are so challenging in my town and around the country, let's lean into that and be on the way of mission in Louisville streets, in Kenosha, in Portland, and be, be stronger together walking along with Jesus in the world. Love it. Chris Sanders, lawyer, prophet, and evangelist, but in a new way. Thank you so much uh, for being uh, on the pod today. We wish you and your family the very best. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to be here. We want to thank all of our listeners for joining us at Good Faith Weekly. And we want to encourage you to tune in next week as we'll be coming with another guest and another set of uh, conversations between Autumn and I. So I look forward to, to hearing from you next week. And as always, we want to remind everybody to practice some good faith this week.